Kindred of New York, a recap of episodes 1 through 5. To start, let's meet our coterie and their sires. Mick is a pissed off Bruja. His sire, Gareth, has neglected to teach him more than the absolute minimum, leaving Mick unprepared for Kindred existence. Valerie is a Malkavian who works as a therapist. Her sire, Victor, is both possessive of her and dismissive of her feelings, and it's an open secret that she is blood-bonded to him. Devola is a Toreador, as well as a famous musician. Her sire, Elizabeth, is both her manager and her benefactor in kindred society. The young coterie belongs to the Camarilla. They share a domain and a haven, a nightclub called Ascension, gifted to them by Elizabeth. Formed only a month prior, the three of them were just beginning to get comfortable with each other and their petty duties to the Camarilla. Our story began with Elysium, where they met and spoke with many different kindred who had become important to our story. They spoke only briefly with Prince Helene Fenard and her sheriff, Kadir al-Azmai. Devola met socialites such as the Toreador primogen Thomas Arturo and the Tremere primogen Eugenio Estevez. Mick met his own primogen, the loyal Bruja called Marlena, as well as Crid, a representative of Clan Nosferatu. Crid would go on to be a very useful contact for the Coterie. While at Elysium, Victor insisted that Valerie introduce herself to another certain kindred. This kindred, as it happens, was also called Valerie. Valerie Duval, the Scourge of New York. The conversation didn't last long, but Victor claimed it was important. He said that the two Valeries would be hunting the same prey soon, in his words. Elysium progressed until it was interrupted by an unannounced visitor. Boss Callahan, a powerful leader of the Anarchs, and whom some call the Baron of New York, caused many gossiping whispers when he arrived. This was the first their coterie had seen the man, but from the whispers they could tell that it was not the first time he had come to Elysium. Callahan went to speak with the prince of the city, the relatively young but well-respected Pennard. Callahan and Pennard spoke quietly, first alone, and then among Pennard's council of primogen. Then an announcement was made that Callahan had come to reaffirm the truce held between the Camarilla and the Anarchs, despite the uneasy air surrounding his presence. When the gathering came to a close, our coterie departed for Club Ascension. However, they returned to grim news. The body of a mortal had been found in their bathroom, his neck torn and blood everywhere except in his veins. While the coterie was at Elysium, some other kindred had come and poached in their domain. They started to investigate and found that the wounds were severe, suggesting a vampire in frenzy. But there was also a syringe with a small amount of blood inside it 
left on the floor next to the body. Checking the club security footage confirmed that the young man had entered the bathroom with someone else, a woman with short dark hair, but her face was turned away from the camera. While the investigation was underway, the sheriff entered the club. He had been keeping tabs on the young coterie, and his heightened senses allowed him to smell the blood even from the street. After assessing the situation, he put the responsibility on Mick, Valerie, and Davola to find and apprehend the culprit within one week, or else they would face judgment for a potential masquerade breach within their domain. The sheriff left it at that, and once he was gone, the Coterie decided that they would need help. They got in touch with Crid, and requested the Nosferatu's expertise to find the woman in the video. Crid named his price. A living human, specifically a strong man. The Coterie agreed, and Crid left. To make good on their payment, Valerie and Davola lured a man from the local bars into an alley. Mick knocked him unconscious, and they left him behind a dumpster for Crid to collect. The next night, while waiting to hear back from Crid, the Coterie decided to patrol their domain. They did not find any poachers, but they did find Valerie Duval, the Scourge. They questioned why she was in their domain, and with a bit of pressing, she explained her role in the city. As Scourge, she explained, it was her job to track down and destroy certain types of kindred who are, quote, undesirable. Mostly weak vampires, known as Thinbloods. Duval had heard about the poaching at Ascension, and believed the culprit was a thin blood. She made an insistent request for the Coterie's help, and while no formal deal was made, Duval left believing that the Coterie would inform her if they found the poacher. Crid returned the following night, this time with another Nosferatu called Gemini. Gemini reported that she had found the woman from the video, who was indeed a thin blood, and that her name was Emily. Gemini also gave an address where Emily could be found. Mick asked the two Nosferatu what they should do once they caught the poacher. Gemini suggested that the simplest solution would be to give the information to Duvall and let her destroy Emily. Crid, however, told the Coterie about a kindred named Robert Larson. Larson was a primogen, who acted as a sort of representative for Thinbloods. Crid suggested that they give Emily to Larson so that he could protect her. Gemini then offered another piece of advice, in exchange for the right to hunt in the Coterie's domain for the following three nights. They agreed to those terms, and Gemini said, that they and Duval weren't the only ones looking for Emily. She was also being tracked by Maxwell Fry, another powerful anarch who is sometimes called the Baron of Brooklyn. The Coterie left immediately. True to Gemini's intel, Emily was in an apartment. She was clearly terrified of the three vampires, but she expressed both courage and a resentment towards the more powerful kindred. 
Valerie tried to intimidate the Thin Blood, while Mick and Davola tried a more diplomatic approach. All of them in an effort to convince Emily to cooperate and solve their poacher problem. They were interrupted by a new face, who introduced himself as Max Cry, the Anarch Gemini had warned them about. From there the situation got tense, but it never came to violence. In opposition to the Coterie, Cry tried to convince Emily to return with him to the Anarchs, who apparently had been sheltering her until she recently left them. From the way she talked, she didn't seem to appreciate her time with them. Over the course of the conversation, Mick mentioned that Gareth was his sire. Cry knew Gareth, and he invited Mick and the others to talk to him in his domain in Prospect Park. Ultimately, Emily decided to go with the Coterie, betting on the promises of protection. Fry said that Jake would be disappointed, but he did not explain to the Coterie who Jake was. Fry then left, and Emily returned to Ascension with Valerie, Mick, and Davola. They asked Crid to fetch Robert Larson, and the next night the Primogen showed up to collect Emily. He was distressed to hear that Duval already knew about her, but he thanked the Coterie for giving Emily to him anyway. With his protection, she had a chance to survive. He and Emily then left. Larson said that, if all goes well, they'd never hear from Emily again. The Coterie sent word to the Sheriff that their poacher issue was resolved, and while they waited for a response, Mick wanted to take Fry up on his offer. He, Valerie, and Davola went to Prospect Park and found Fry there, along with his pack of fellow Anarchs. Fry gave an anti-Camarilla speech, which the Coterie found rather predictable, but more personally interesting was when Fry started talking about Gareth. He didn't give details, but he did say that Gareth, Mick's sire, was once an Anarch himself, and that he had left the movement on bad terms. After the trip to Prospect Park, all that was left was to tell the sheriff that the matter was settled. Alizmai accepted that Larson had the poacher in his custody, and left things at that. Duval, the Scourge, was less pleased. She had heard somehow that Larson was in possession of the Thin Blood, and she blamed the Coterie for denying her the praise she sought. She did not act on her anger, at least not yet. With the matter of the poacher settled, the Coterie returned to their nightly routines, and what happened next, unfortunately, is very routine for the Kindred. Valerie awoke hungry one night. She set out to feed, but her usual hunting ground was already occupied by Gemini, enjoying the last night that she was permitted to hunt in the Coterie's domain, as per their agreement. With her domain overhunted already, Valerie was forced to wait until she was desperately hungry. 
Her beast whispered in her mind, urging her to greater and greater violence. She went to Mick as a friend, asking him for his advice. Before the conversation was over, she had ripped his throat out, nearly destroying her coterie mate in an act of hunger-driven rage. And that's where we left our coterie, having resolved an external threat to their domain, only to tear each other apart at the urging of their own monstrous natures. Whatever consequences may come, either from their interactions with older, more powerful, more well-connected kindred, or from their own blood-soaked indiscretions, are yet to be seen. Thank you for listening. Kindred in New York is made under the dark pact for Vampire the Masquerade and the World of Darkness. The music you heard is by Scott Buckley. Our story will continue every Wednesday, and we hope you'll join us.